This is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update Podcast. This is part of an ongoing series featuring critical insights from the physicians and healthcare professionals on the front lines of the pandemic. Hello, this is the American Medical Association's COVID-19 Update. Today, we'll be talking with Dr. Stephen Sherris, Senior Vice President, Physician Enterprise, and President of the Atlantic Medical Group in Morristown, New Jersey, about his health system's unique approach to treating COVID long haulers. I'm Todd Unger, AMA's Chief Experience Officer in Chicago. Dr. Sherris, thanks for being here today. Uh, Your health system has developed a unique approach to treating people with ongoing symptoms post-COVID. Let's go back to last summer when the concept for this first uh, began. How was, you know, how did you initially identify this need? Well, it was a year ago this time, Todd, and uh, first of all, thanks for having me this morning. A year ago this time, we were faced with a, a, a tsunami of patients and uh, no preparation, no playbook for having to deal with an acute onslaught of patients to our hospitals. Fortunately, we were able to weather that in the March, April, May timeframe. And last summer, as you're alluding to, uh, we began to develop a concept of how, how are we gonna coexist with COVID? What's it going to look like in the future? And one of the things we identified is there were a cohort of patients who were experiencing persistent symptoms after the acute illness for weeks and weeks afterwards. Um, and it was kind of, um, we were seeing in the hospitals really the tip of the iceberg. There were many more infections that we didn't have in the hospital and we had to develop a playbook on the fly for having to uh, evaluate and help these patients in the outpatient setting. So that's how we conceptualized the problem and the potential solution. And so your your solution to this is kind of the development of uh, a COVID recovery center, which is something I haven't really heard about. Is that kind of a unique development? Well, I don't think it's unique. And, uh, you know, like many things with the pandemic, uh, the virus laid bare a lot of the fragmentation and inequity in healthcare delivery. Here we had a cohort of patients who were experiencing symptoms across many different organ systems, highly individualized presentations from patient to patient. Patients were left with basically nowhere to go. And um, pre-pandemic, patients would often try to slot into where they should go based on their symptoms. Well, we had patients with uh, memory difficulty, behavioral health issues, headaches, muscle aches, persistent fatigue, shortness of breath, chest pain, across all different symptoms variably applied across patients. So we, um, uh, we quickly identified a need to really uh, uh, develop a soft landing place for these patients and say, okay, come see us, talk to us, kind of a one-stop shopping a uh, place where we can begin to understand, evaluate, importantly, listen to these patients, uh, and then give them some hope that we can help them as we were learning about treating and evaluating these persistent symptoms. So that, you, that's really where we were. Did you see any pattern in terms of, uh, you know, the original kind of COVID uh, scenario that these patients experienced? Was it kind of more mild, more severe, or is it just kind of run the gamut? It really ran the gamut. You know, for a long time, uh, our directors of our COVID recovery center, David Seuss, Dr. David Seuss and Dr. Fred Cerrone, had been dealing with the issue of post-ICU syndrome pre-pandemic and about the uh, mental health and um, persistent symptoms just from being in the ICU. But I don't think we saw a real good correlation between really the sickest patients um, and less sick patients with the acute illness who develop persistent symptoms. 
What I'm trying to explain is that you can have, a, have had a mild, relatively mild illness, but it persisted for weeks and weeks with very specific symptoms or a symptom that was tough to tackle. Likewise, we had people in the ICU, spend a long time in the ICU, make a complete recovery and do very well. To your point, Todd, very highly variable. And that's why um, you know, accumulating a wealth of knowledge and experience in one location was important for us as clinicians to begin to develop strategies for dealing with these patients and giving them hope going forward. Well, let's let's talk a little bit more about the COVID resource, uh, Recovery Center. You know, what makes it unique in terms of your approach? Well, it was about, in this case, it was a lot about organization. And for patients um, uh, who were fearful of the unknown, and, and all of us were fearful of the unknown during the pandemic, um, providing a space where they can be heard and shepherded through the process and to a certain extent, to use the metaphor, have their hand held as we were learning about this. We don't profess to have all the answers. Nobody has all the answers because this is a new disease. But the more we accumulate and concentrate this knowledge and experience in a select group of clinicians, they can exchange information and then apply it specifically to patients as their symptoms warrant. We have one centralized intake, one navigator, one number to call. And if people think they have COVID-related symptoms, we welcome um, them into the uh, center. We talk to them. We see what's bothering them. And then as appropriate, we, uh, we hope, hopefully carefully uh, uh, develop a strategy for testing, evaluation, consultation, but all reverting back to the COVID recovery center. The key thing to, to this is that we're accumulating data as we go. And we're learning and understanding that. And then we're trying to develop patterns of illness uh, through our data analytics system so that we can apply solutions that best fit the individual patient. I'm curious about, you know, what are you learning? What are the things that really stand out? Well, I would say the one thing, it's, this is probably not a surprise to anybody. Again, in a, in a period of great uncertainty and fear and where patients fear, fear, fear that they will have symptoms forever, just having somebody to listen to them and understand and validate and empathize with them uh, is one of the key um, elements to recovery here. Uh, it, it is uh, therapeutic listening, if you will. I think it goes as much uh, towards making these patients feel better than any sort of specific drug therapy or regimen that we can give to them. That makes a lot of sense, uh, you know, especially as we kind of go through a, a scenario where there is so much that's being learned on the fly, and then you have all yeah. of these, you know, what you're saying is these individual presentations are just all over the place. Yeah, I think what we learned, you know, from being the focal point of the first surge back a year ago is, uh, yes, it's important to meet the mission uh, of the acute challenge. You have to deal with the challenge of very ill patients who are before you, but at the same time in Atlantic, we were able to stand up research accumulate data, learn as we go, so that we were preparing ourselves for the future, the future surges, life after COVID, dealing with patients with persistent symptoms in what would end up being the COVID recovery center. So all of that is important. It's like you have to be uh, orchestrating multiple things at once. Uh, you have to be able to, as our CEO says, walk and chew gum at the same time. 
curated from more than 3,000 major newspapers, magazines, and journals, the AMA Morning Rounds newsletter delivers the top stories in healthcare right to your inbox Monday through Friday. Subscribe today and check out all the AMA's free newsletters at ama-assn.org slash myinbox. That's ama-assn.org slash myinbox. The body of knowledge, you know, uh, obviously you're, you're among, uh, you know, others that are uh, dealing with this kind of post-COVID mm-hmm. uh, scenario. You know, what are you seeing out there in terms of how yeah. is all of the data collection translating then into to treatment knowledge and anything promising that you're seeing on the horizon? Right. It's all about understanding and sharing data. So there are a number of, of other healthcare systems in the Northeast who have embarked upon a similar path with COVID recovery. It's important that our clinicians who are doing this um, uh, uh, collaborate and communicate with them regularly. So we learn from them, a free exchange of information. Um, we believe that these conversations uh, make our health cost, our health system stronger and certainly it makes us more effective at dealing uh, with the illness and communicating to our patients. So it, it, we think it's a very collaborative process. But I would say from the patient's standpoint, the important thing to understand is if you have a concern, then it becomes our concern. Okay? You don't have to figure out whether it's from COVID or not because uh, we can then reflect your story against what we're hearing in the in the in these months, um, and then decide whether or not we need to uh, enroll you, treat you further, see you back. Uh, again, having kind of that lifeline, I think, has been very good for patients. Yeah, you know, we had uh, a, a many months ago uh, a, a, a an update that focused on these kind of long haul symptoms, and right. you know, many of the patients had no resources what whatsoever except to communicate with each other. Right. Um, so, you know, to see then the medical community now come in with a very, you know, data centric, uh, empathetic approach to this, I'm sure is serving these patients very well. Are there are there any answers uh, that you're seeing come up? Well, there are no easy answers. And, uh, and I do think to a greater or lesser extent with every patient, I'm told we're helping everybody. And sometimes just being honest and transparent with them saying we don't know. Uh, but we're seeing a lot of this, this the shared experience of, um, of uh, going through this with other patients and other clinicians has been helpful, uh, saying that it's not saying that we don't know and you're gone. It's saying we don't know, do this, we'll see you back in a couple of weeks, and if we learn something, we'll share it with you. Again, um, you know, in the, in the, again, in the pre-pandemic era when, when the patient's uh, initial um, reaction to developing symptoms that they knew nothing about was to was to Google it or check on the internet. There really is um, uh, really a void of information related to long COVID. And if they would Google, they would find nothing or that there's no hope, that there's no treatment, or that, and then try to pick and choose their way through the healthcare system. Um, I think uh, providing a, a an, an outlet for them um, more than anything else has been really the best thing for, these are common symptoms, but not with common cures and therapies and, and under, letting patients know that we are learning with them and that there is hope for the future, that we see other patients get better, most importantly, that if they're just patient with it, um, many, if not all of their symptoms will abate. We're, um, 
uh, we're providing kind of that level of hope, which I, which I, which is really rewarding for us. I mean, it's really taking patients who are feeling lost with nowhere else to go and giving them a home. So, uh, you know, to that end, for uh, you know patients out there who you know don't have access to kind of a co-head a COVID re uh, recovery center like yours, you know, what what advice do you have? Well, I, I revert to the same thing that I have said in our medical group that you know one of the things we're trying to solve for in healthcare is uh, a lack of a coordination of care um, a lack of communication um, fragmentation um, partly be because of the way healthcare is paid for but I but I would say if you don't have a covid recovery center start with your primary care doctor uh, a lot of uh, patients uh, seem to gravitate towards picking and choosing the specialist that they think that they need for the symptom that they think they have. And that's that's a very narrow way and inefficient way of going about things. So start with a conversation with your primary care doctor. They can put it in the context of your chronic medical conditions if you have any, and then decide where uh, to send you if they need to send you somewhere. And, and the best primary care doctors can have these types of conversations saying, I understand, I hear you, your symptoms are not made up. They're not in your head. They're real. Other people are experiencing them. Stick with it. I will get you the help they need that you need when you need it. Giving them the sense that they're not going about it alone is half of the battle. Well, that is incredibly uh, helpful advice and insight. I want to thank you, uh, Dr. Sheriff, for being with uh, here with us today. Uh, and sharing these insights. Uh, that's it for today's COVID-19 update. We'll be back with another segment shortly. In the meantime, for resources on COVID-19, visit ama-assn.org slash COVID-19. Thanks for joining us. Please take care. Thanks, Todd. This content was originally published as part of the AMA's COVID-19 daily video updates. Find the latest at ama-assn.org slash COVID update. Subscribe to other great AMA podcasts available wherever you listen to yours or visit ama-assn.org slash podcasts. Thank you for listening.